called with a purpose to do something different. That we are called to be different from the world, in the world, but not of the world. And so we have to recognize, and we talk about the local church, we talk about the body of Christ, which all of us who are followers of Christ are a part of, that we have been called out for a purpose. And what that tells us very clearly is this, is that we do not have the luxury of sitting back and doing nothing as the body of Christ. Now, we go into our scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It's kind of the genesis of the local church. What took place in Acts chapter 1, we see as Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, recorded in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then they began together, they prayed together, and then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came just as Jesus promised. And then, at that point, the church began. And let's read about that, that, that Genesis moment of the local church, because in these few verses that we're going to read today, we see a picture of what it is the church today, 2,000 years later, what we are still called to do, what is the standard that we must measure ourselves by. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46 says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And then finally, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the standard by which the church of Jesus Christ in 2022 has to be measured by. This is what we must do and how we must act. And so today what I want to do is give you five words. Five words that is a a picture of the New Testament church, of what it is that we must do, our responsibilities, our calling by God, what Jesus very clearly told us that that we're to do. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, and He builds His church through really five expressions, five ideas of the local church. So here's the first word. The first word is reach. Reach. That we have a responsibility to reach. Now that word reach is a picture of evangelism. We go back to our doctrinal statement and it says this, that we're organized to carry out the commission to evangelize. The great commission that we read about, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts chapter 1, like Jesus made it clear, here's what you are to do. And he was not speaking to Thomas Road Baptist Church. He was not speaking to a denomination. He was not speaking to some specific group. Here's who he was talking to. Who he was talking to? He was talking to the body of Christ. Every single one of us. We have a responsibility. We have a calling from God that we are called to go out and to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go back to Acts chapter 2, and it tells us in verse 41, then those who gladly received His Word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now when you read this verse, this is not just simply an historical statement. It's not just like, oh, this is what happened then. What this verse really is, is a picture of what should be happening now. Those who gladly received His Word, 
That are, that's the people that came to know Christ. Now listen, I don't know about you and your story. I know I got saved when I was six years old, but regardless of, of when it was that you made the decision to follow Christ, that moment, that picture when you said, yes, I believe that Jesus died. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he was buried. I believe that he rose again. As we talked about last week, repenting of the sin of rejecting Christ and turning towards him in faith and believing that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again. That's when we came to Christ. And so we gladly receive His Word. The next natural step from there is baptism. Baptism does not save you. It's an outward expression of an inward work that Jesus has already done. But it's not just like a photo op. I think so often in the church we think of baptism as a photo op. It's like just, oh, that's something you're supposed to do so you can get a certificate and get a picture. That's not what baptism is. When you go to the scriptures, when Jesus himself was baptized, John was horrified by the idea that he had to baptize Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, no, no. This too should be done. In other words, the Son of God said these words, this should be done. Anytime that God says this should be done, if we do not do it, that's disobedience, which is sin. Now, it doesn't save us, but it is a natural next expression. It's a step of obedience of what Christ has already done. Man, we celebrated today with those who came to Christ. What a great stories of seeing what God has done. We talked about the 50 plus that got saved last week. I talked to several this morning in the early service who said, yeah, I got saved last week. Man, I'm coming back in a few weeks to get baptized. And man, I'm bringing people with me who are lost because I want them to see what I did and what, what's gone on in my life. How cool is that? Some of you in this room stood last week and said, yes, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know what you ought to do next Sunday? Man, you ought to walk up, you know, before this service, rather than come in and find your seat, you ought to walk right up these steps and take a right right there and go into that hallway there, and there are people up there, and you ought to say, you know what, I want to be baptized. Why? Because that's what Jesus said we were supposed to do, to publicly display what God has done in our hearts. And so those who gladly received his word were baptized, but then look what it says next. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Why? Because the church was doing what the church was supposed to do. They were sharing, celebrating, rejoicing in the presence of the gospel and the work of the gospel. And as a result, God honored that, God blessed that, and He reached more and more people every day. Thousands were being added to them. You go down to verse 47, it tells us the same thing. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The picture is just simply this. That when the church is passionate about sharing the gospel, God will honor His Word, and God will honor the gospel, and lives will be changed. Now, what we have to recognize and understand is that the impact of the church today is not limited by the power of God, it is limited by the obedience of men. That the only reason we're seeing revival today is not because God's on vacation, it's because we are. The role of the church, the responsibility of the church is we have to reach people with the gospel. Now the second word, first one's reach, we have to evangelize. The second word is teach, that we have a responsibility to teach God's word. We go back to our doctrinal statement, simple statement, to teach and to administer the ordinances of believers' baptism and the Lord's table. Yes, absolutely we need to teach God's word. Why? Because it's how we grow. And that's why it's so important that we come together and spend time in God's Word. Because if we are not spending time learning God's Word, we will, as according to Scripture, be blown about by every wind of doctrine. 
Go back to what Acts chapter 2 says. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or in the Word of God. That's why we gather together in a local expression, a local assembly. Yes, we do need to come together. It's what we're doing right now. We're teaching God's Word. It's what we do in our life groups, teaching God's Word. As we're gathered in this room today, there are hundreds and hundreds of children gathered together all over this property. You know what they're doing? They're learning God's Word. Why? Because we are commanded to do it because it makes us better. It brings us closer to God. It helps us to actually experience what it means to become more like Christ. That's why it just drives me crazy, burns me up when I see churches. And sometimes like really large churches, and they come together, and the guy gets up there and begins to preach, and what he does, he spends 30 minutes or 40 minutes talking through a a sermon, and it's just like, man, hey, you just hang in there. You can do this just around the corner is your breakthrough. Man, I'm just telling you, keep moving forward. Don't get discouraged. Keep going. That's all fine and good. But if you're not teaching God's Word, and if you're not sharing the gospel, that church is wasting its time. We are not called to make people feel good. We are called to introduce them to the God of the universe. And that is what we must do as the church of Jesus Christ. We're called by God to do that. Why? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed it out. And it's profitable for, listen to these words, it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what does that tell us? It tells us this. God's Word is given to us by the the very inspiration of God. It's given to us. It's His holy, perfect, infallible, inspired, inerrant Word. So that we can take that Word, and that Word is good because it will teach us what is right, doctrine. It'll teach us what is wrong, reproof. It'll teach us how to turn and forgiveness, find forgiveness for our sins and make the right corrections we need through correction, through instruction and righteousness, how to become more like Christ. Why? So that we will be made complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every person in this room, every person watching, listening today has been called by God as a follower of Christ. You have been called by God to make a difference for God. And here's what I will tell you today, that if you know, which we all are, that you are called by God to make an impact for Him, and you are not spending time in God's Word, I can guarantee you, you will never be successful in fulfilling the call of God on your life. You will fail miserably if you're not in God's Word. That we have to recognize the power of God's Word. So the first word is reach. The second word is teach. The third word is to serve. We go back to our doctrinal statement. It says these words, under the discipline of the Word of God and the Lordship of Christ. What does Acts chapter 2 tell us? In this passage in verse 44 and 45, it says, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone who had need. So the picture here is like they were like tuned in, like, like dialed in to what people needed in their community, in their body. Like how can we help and how can we serve? They did a really good job of serving people who were hurting. And here's what I tell you. I think today, like the church still is, does a really good job of serving we look around the globe and we see how the church is like, like standing up and showing up when people are hurting. Here at Thomas Road, we've had the opportunity last fall of helping the Afghan refugees as they were displaced from their country and, and were brought here over at Fort Pickett. 
We've seen how we've had the opportunity of blessing uh, so many in our own neighborhoods and in our own uh, community through our Christmas cares uh, season where we're able to provide uh, gifts and, and to provide the gospel to so many families. We see now what's taking place in Ukraine. And to be honest with you, we've got, you know, some funds left over from some funds that we raised in the fall for the Afghan refugees. And, you know, with your permission, uh, we're actually going to now send that money on to Dwight Pogamiller, who is our missionary in Romania, because as I talked with him this morning, like 50,000 refugees from Ukraine have now poured into Romania and Moldova, and Dwight is on the front lines of ministering to them, providing food and clothing and the gospel as they come across that border. And so we're going to you, that was a business meeting. Everybody in favor, say aye. Okay. And so we're going we're to help him to continue to carry out the ministry that God has called him to do. Why? Because we as a church are called to serve. We're called to make sure to recognize that we've been given this incredible opportunity to make a difference. And that's what Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 tells us. Like, don't just look out for your own needs. Look out for the needs of others. That's an expression of what the church is supposed to be all about. So we reach, and we teach, and we serve. And the fourth one is this, is to fellowship. Yes, make no mistake, it is important that we gather as the body of Christ, that we do come together as the body of Christ. We go back to our doctrinal statement, and it says this, we affirm that a church is a local assembly of baptized believers. Operative word here, key word, local. It is important that the church comes together We go back to Scripture in Acts chapter 2. What does it tell us in this passage about the genesis of the local church? And here's what it says in verse 42. And in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We continue reading. You go down to verse 46, and it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They came together. I believe with all my heart that when Jesus said, I will build my church, the body of Christ, in Acts chapter 2, when the the local assembly of the church began there in Jerusalem and began to spread out, I believe God uses the local church to change the world. And we have a responsibility and duty to come together as the local church. Now, I know we've gone through this pandemic over the last couple of years. And I know we've gone through a season where a lot of people said, you know what, I just, I'm not ready to get out. I, I want to, I need to stay home and, and watch it on TV. I understand that and that's great. But here's what I tell you, like now it's time to get back to the house of God. It's time to fellowship. And I know there are some people who physically are not able to get out to a local church. I get it. And that's why these TV cameras are in this room. Is because we want to bless them and encourage them and help them because we know they can't get here. But if you can go out and play golf at one o'clock today, you absolutely should be in church this morning. If you've got a tea time at 2, you better be at church at 9.30. It's time for the church to recognize, yes, we must gather together. Scriptures tell us, like, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because it matters. It makes a difference. We have a responsibility to come together. It's not just this thing that you can do on your own. It's not just this thing like, like I, I can do this at home on my own. I can do it in my car by myself. Like I don't need, you know, the whole bunch of people. I don't need the body. Yes, you do. We do not have the luxury as followers of Christ to embrace isolation because isolation is the enemy of spiritual growth. It's the enemy of spiritual impact. We have a responsibility to fellowship together. And so these words, reach and teach and serve and fellowship, and it brings us to the fifth word, is worship. 
We go back to our doctrinal statement. What does the doctrinal statement say? It says we affirm that a church is a local assembly of baptized believers under the discipline of the Word of God and the Lordship of Christ. It goes on to say, organized to carry out the commission to evangelize, to teach, and to administer the ordinances of the believer's baptism and the Lord's table. Now, you'll notice that I read the entirety of that first paragraph, that first statement, and I read that on purpose because everything that we do as a local body of believers is an act of worship. Worship is not just when the musicians are on the stage. That is an act of worship with our voices. But when we go serve in the nursery, that is an act of worship with our service. When we volunteer in the parking lot, that is an act of worship with serving others. When you give in the offering, that is an act of worship to carry out the work of the gospel. When you go and knock on your neighbor's door to share the gospel with them, that is an act of worship. When we have people come and get baptized and we celebrate with them and we rejoice with them, that is an act of worship of what Christ has done. Everything that we do as the body of Christ is an act of worship. And why is that so important? Corporately, together as a body of believers. Here's why. Go back to Acts chapter 2. And here's what it tells us. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, when it is living out a lifestyle of worship in everything that we are called to do, here's the cool thing. God actually uses our worship to bring people to Him. God uses our words to bring people to Him. God uses our service to bring people to Him. God uses our actions to bring people to Him. See, we have a responsibility. We have a duty before God to make sure we recognize that we are called to worship. You see, the the church of Jesus Christ is this incredible organization, this thing that God has created, and for whatever reason, and however way He did it, when Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, here's what He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is the only organization that has ever been founded from the creation of the world that has absolutely no opportunity to fail. Businesses, they fail. Governments, they fall. But the church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. You think the church is important? Oh, it is so important. You think the body of believers is a big deal? You bet it is. Do you think it's important to gather in a room on Sundays? Absolutely it is. Here's why. Because when the church comes together, that old adage, strength in numbers, God uses it and God uses us to make an impact and to change the world in ways that we never could on our own. So today... It's incumbent upon us to recognize the requirement that we have, the calling that we have, the responsibility, the God-given responsibility for the church to be the church. And so today, as we walk out of here and we talk about the things that we believe and why we believe it, oh, listen, walk out of here today with a love for the local church unlike anything that you can imagine. Because it is not an institution founded by men. 
It is the family and the body of Christ that Jesus said, this is what I will build. And Satan himself doesn't have a prayer against it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for letting us be a part of the church. God, what an amazing gift that we've been given to be a part of something that is so awesome. God, that you have built to change the world. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be called out ones as we understand this word to me. And God, for that, we'll give you the praise. Now, right now, at the beginning of our sermon, I asked you guys to think about, pray about a name or many names. And in a moment, we're going to stand together and Charles is going to lead us. And when, when that happens, when we stand together and Charles begins to lead us in this song, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take that card. If you've not already written the name down, I want you to do it right now. And I'm just going to ask you, wherever you are in this room, to make your way to the altar and just lay it here at the altar. And when you lay it here at the altar, you can head right on out the door and head right on out to lunch. That's fine. But I want everyone to be a part of this. Why? Because that's the church being the church. Remember how we started with the idea, the picture of that we are the called out ones and what we're called out to do is for a purpose. And then that first statement is to reach. Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that every name that is written down here is a name that we pray over this year. And that by the time December 31st rolls around, that we will see revival break out, that we will see lives change, and that the names that are represented here, that they will come to know Christ this year. And we're going to celebrate with it. So I want this to be 100% participation. But before we do that, I also recognize there might be somebody in this room whose name could actually be on one of these cards. That perhaps you yourself have never come to the place where you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died, that he rose again. That you have never repented of the sin of rejecting Christ and turned in faith towards him. And so today, I'm just asking you, if that's you, man, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, this is the best time ever to walk the aisles of a local church. Because you're going to walk down here with thousands of others. So you don't have to worry about what everybody's going to think because you're going with the crowd. But when you get down here, our men and women are gathered here, walk up to one of them and say, listen, I want to meet Christ today. They would love to talk with you about that, to share that with you, and to have you experience today what only God can give. And that is the gift of hope that comes through the salvation that comes through Christ. So right now, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and as we're singing, I want all of us to come to this altar to lay these cards on the altar, to lay these names before the feet of Christ, to pray for revival. Let's bring them now. Charles. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the crucifixion. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again. We believe in... 
Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.